Welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 57. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song, This I Believe, from Hillsong Worship, reflecting on the process of recording a live album with our special guest, Andy Clark, and generally talking about things, worship and songwriting. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm all right. You're, you've got a lovely sweep across your hair on the front there. Were you ever to go prematurely bald i think you could rock a comb over you've got a natural Thanks, sweep yeah, what you don't know is it's just a very good comb over my it's hair basically generally. all you've had all this time just grows that one little patch on the side of your head yeah and i just kind of plaster it very carefully it's nice thanks man uh how are you you've been super mega busy man yeah pretty busy um yeah the uh all the big album stuff a lot of work there we're gonna chat a bit more about that later on so let's not um let's not uh, eat our biscuit before it's cooked or some other <laughs> expression that I've just invented <laughs> um, but I'll tell you one thing about it though because we were on a couple yeah. of but we, we, we went on a tour we went on a tour it was so fun um, I've, I've got to be honest I did feel a bit rock and roll did you? yeah was there any throwing TVs out of hotel rooms or? no but I did wear all denim which made oh. me feel I thought that was pretty rock I thought what's going to be the most rock and roll thing I can do did you wear the same denim, denim outfit for like the five days straight? Or something? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm, but you were nice mm. by the end. So nice. It was so fun. Great group of people. We had a bunch of resound writers, and um, we basically had to form a band because I say this from time to time, including when I introduce the concerts each time. And we're not a band. We're just uh, we're a bunch of songwriters, but we love to come and share the songs. So that's what we did. And um, with Andy and Chris and. Um, other uninformed Yeah, it's just people. completely gone. Um, we had quite a fun... Um, and then we had a, a guy called Sam on drums, who's someone I knew from Nexus, um, who came, played brilliantly, so good. I mean, he spent three years kind of listening and learning drum parts and learning to play well and stuff. And he was a not only a brilliant drummer, but a superb a member of the team, really sort of servant-hearted and the rest of it. And then we had Alex on bass. Um, and poor Alex, he had a slightly unfortunate time on tour because... Um, <laughs> Half the too many excesses. <laughs> following the excesses of the first night, unfortunately, uh, we so we did the first night. It was great fun. We went to Andy's church in Chester. Uh, so really good, just to take this. I mean, I'm kind of bigging this up like a big rock and roll tour. Clearly, it wasn't. We took our album to several churches, but it was really great to to work on this stuff and then go and share it with people and sing it with them because it's by yeah. far the best way of, of sharing the songs. Um, so they were great, great evenings of worship as well as as fun. But poor Alex came to play the bass and then. Um, the next morning, he came to me and said, Joel, I'm, I'm really sorry. I think I'm going to have to go home. You won't, guess, you won't be able to guess where he's from from that accent. Somewhere up north. Because <laughs> um, he'd been really uh, been sick during the night and uh, really ill. I was like, okay, what should we do? And I was slightly, you know, I think, what are we going to do? Um, and, he, and we said, well, look, we're going up to Preston next. And could have been saying, you know, maybe get someone to pick him up or something. Well, let's, let's head there see how we go and see how you're feeling. When we got there, we sort of did a, and he refused to ever stop helping with setting up, even though he's clearly Aww. very ill. Um, and then eventually, he, and I said, okay, well, look, I've got an idea. Um, we, we were doing stuff to backing tracks anyway, because when we did the album, it was all pre-prepared and we had this backing track stuff. And so we thought, well, this is a really tight and easy way to do it. And then we can reproduce the same kind of thing. So that was a bit of a, a new experience as well. Um, so I th- I got on the phone to Matt Weeks. Well, actually, I had tried really hard to track down Matt Weeks and say, Matt, <laughs> can you send us the bass parts from the album? Because we're not quite sure how this is going to go. And if the worst comes to the worst, we'll just whack you onto the speakers playing along <laughs> with us. So he um, he eventually did that, and that was fine. And then um, Alex said, you know what? I'm feeling quite a lot better, so I think I'll be all right. I'll do this one. I think I'll be okay. So we did it. We did the first half. came to me at halftime. I feel really sick. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and the problem with feeling really sick is it's not like you can just go, oh, I feel awful, but I'll just plow through it. I mean, if you've got to go, you've got to go. You've got to go, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, right, okay, look. And I hadn't downloaded the tracks because by that point I thought it'd be fine. So then I got onto downloading them and it's all getting a bit tight and eventually got them all in, got them lined up and so on. Um, 
discovered one of them was in the wrong sample rate and I just stretched it by eye and hoped that it would fit. Um, and we went to do the actual, okay, we've got it set up. He's, he said, look, I'll do the first song. So here we go. Hit the backing track for the first song, but I'd messed up something to do with the output. So suddenly the click track is firing through the front of house. <laughs> and um, so we tried doing an event. We couldn't get rid of it. So we basically had to completely abandon the backing tracks. And uh, poor Alex couldn't go anywhere because we'd stripped away his even vague safety blanket. So he had to play all the way through it. And then um, uh, the problem was we couldn't work. So we're all totally capable musicians. It's not like yeah. we had backing tracks all the time in church. Yeah, These are perfectly playable songs. We just never tried starting them before. So we <laughs> kind of get to the end of one and then stare at each other and wonder. And I have this slightly bad habit if I'm leading worship on a Sunday morning of whatever we've rehearsed. I just never a hundred percent convinced the person who's supposed to start the next song is going to do it, so I just do it anyway, and I start playing something. So it was a terrible habit, but I I did quite a lot of that. And then Sam on drums was fantastic; he just took it on and started clicking us into things, and um, it was absolutely fine. Um, and then by the in the end, poor Alex, he just he never did get better. Oh, yeah, we don't know what happened to him. Left him by the side of the road <laughs> <laughs> between Preston and Hull. <laughs> Um, no, I think he is okay. Oh, he's an absolute <laughs> legend. He's a great bass player. He's the nicest Aww. guy you'd ever meet in your life. And, and he was really disappointed, Aww. but he was brilliant. And it made for a very exciting time. So then the next couple of nights, we got it all working. And we had yeah. Matt Weeks playing with us. So when we Aww. did the little kind of announce the band at the end of the evening each time, we had to throw in <laughs> where we announced Alex and Matt. Because we sort of, in their, in their absence, we felt like we had to. Aww. Anyway, l- lots more to tell you about that. Fun, um, fun, fun. Yeah. Oh, uh, that sounds good. What about you, Sam? What have you been up to? Any pukey stories? No pukies, no. Um, no, so we've got things coming up. So this Saturday we're in Banbury uh, doing our whole life worship thing. Oh, so yeah. if people hear this before the 5th of October, they can come and see us um, lead a session in Banbury. We'd love to have you. Uh, but also uh, coming up to uh, songwriting intensive with the lovely Geraldine Latty oh, at yeah. London School of Theology, which is going to be the 1st and 2nd of November and then some more dates in February. Uh, and the first night we've got Andy Flanagan coming to do a kind of in concert and in conversation thing. So um, nice. If people want to kind of get an intensive espresso shot of songwriting input, I would definitely recommend they check out um, lst.ac.uk/meeting/songwriting. We'll put that in the notes on the if you whenever we say stuff in the podcast, we try and put a link to things. If you go to our podcast page, you can find that stuff. Can yeah. I do my usual? We, we've got a love, lot of love for Geraldine, haven't we? Can yeah. I do my usual and just throw in the, Geraldine is brilliant. Uh, I mean, if you want to go to a thing on songwriting, if you want to, you know, if you want to make me happy, come to something I'm doing. But if you want to do what's sensible, go to what Geraldine is doing because she is so good. She is so she good. She is the yeah. business. She is. And talking of Geraldine, I've got yeah. a little uh, bit of correspondence from Geraldine here, which is on a sad note, actually, because uh, we heard over the weekend uh, that Busby, uh, Mike Busby, who many people will know uh, for working with worship songwriters, um, died over the weekend oh, at 43. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we think of uh, brain cancer. And uh, I started looking around on the internet. I hadn't realised what a prolific producer and songwriter he was, particularly in kind of Nashville and stuff, writing songs and producing things for Kelly Clarkson, Christina Aguilera, Pink, Biffy Clyro, Whoa. Lady Antebellum, Shakira, Keith Urban. Uh, the names just go on and on. Um, and yeah, there did seem to be a point, I don't know when it was, about 10, 15 years ago, when every worship album you picked up and, and looked in seemed to have his name, Busby, yeah. Yeah. on it. He worked with Stuart Townend, Lou Fellingham, Tim Hughes, and our own Geraldine Latty. And I, I dropped her a quick email and said, oh, I'm sorry to hear about this. You know, have you got any reflections on him and she said uh, so sad to hear this i worked with busby on two tracks for the devoted album love what he did on that and was blessed to go to work with him as producer in la on my next album surprising she says uh, there are a few people that no matter how long or short time they're with you they leave an indelible mark of their god genius jaw-dropping creativity let me get that generosity and overflowing, where did that lyric, vocal, riff, improv, drum, groove, beautiful piano, melody, and so much more come from? Uh, and she finishes off, uh, Michael James Ryan Busby was one of them, uh, one of the most thankful, hungry for learning, musically intelligent, gifted, enabling, inspiring, and humbling musicians I know. One of his last words to me was, hope over fear. 
Wow. Uh, and she says, losing Busby has happened so quickly. Uh, a, a life that was way too short for those uh, of us who knew him. And her heart cries out for uh, his family in these heartbreaking days. So, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's quite sobering, really. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but amazing to hear that story. And, and, you know, you just have just do a quick Google and you'll see loads and loads of kind of outpourings of love and appreciation and, and sadness for him uh, online. So, yeah, sad times. Thanks, Sam. All right, should we have a look at... We've had a few emails and bits and pieces of correspondence yeah. as well. Um, we put out one or two tracks in advance of our album release, put out uh, Jesus, You Have Called Us, and then um, High in the Heavens by Judy and um, shared them in all sorts of places on social media. Um, and as usual, completely dependent on your good selves sharing them for us because you have a reach mm. that we don't have. Um, so we really appreciate that. But just a, a bunch of really nice comments. But the one that stood out to me was somebody commented on the High in the Heavens video, and they, it was yeah. just a six-word review. They said, normal people, high Christ, strong melodies. Pretty good. Mm. That, is, more... that is it. Mm. More succinct than a haiku, isn't it? It is, is it actually, yeah. I was thinking that could be our new strap one. I love it. I love it. Because, well, you know how determined I was. Well, you know what I'm like. I'm so determined with the whole resound thing that we just somehow maintain this air of being normal. Yeah. And not special, cool, aloof, blah, anything. You're doing really well at that, mate, can I just say? Oh, the not being cool thing. I wore <laughs> denim on denim. What does that tell you? <laughs> Send in your responses. Um so I love that. And when we shot the videos for the album, that was one of the things we did. We said, let's do them in daylight. Let's try yeah. and have normal looking people. We're not going to do, we're not going to dress them. We're just going to be, it's going to look like a church. Yeah. And it's going to, that's what we want it to be. Kind of like, okay, it's a decent band, but it's a, it's a Sunday morning in church. That's what we want to see. And, yeah. I, and I just yeah. love that somebody who's not connected to us saw the video and they said, yep. And then High Christ, because it was, you know, it was the song Judy's one, which is based on Philippians 2. Yeah. It's Christ, Christ, Christ. But also has this brilliant stuff of drawing us into the story as Philippians 2 begins, which is about, so how are you going to live yeah. in response? And then Strong Melodies. I just think, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And if anyone else wants to send us a six word review, we will read it out. If it's not too rude. <laughs> Uh, I also had an email from uh, somebody um, to us at Engage uh, where we put out this whole Harvest book and he says, uh, sincere thanks and appreciation for your Harvest resources. In particular, we see the Fruitful Harvest is one of the songs of the four uh, in the little EP that we put out through Resound. And he says, it went down a storm at our Harvest service yesterday. We worship in an ancient Welsh hilltop church, 900 feet above the nearest village. Our packed church picked up the refrain instantly. It nearly lifted off our 12th century roof. <laughs> I can see it becoming a favourite. That's that's really encouraging. Wasn't that Thanks. great? You should be I so chuffed with that. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, we actually, we sung it in, in my church on Sunday and it, it also went down really well. So I'm really pleased with that. Brilliant. You didn't lift yeah. up, you don't have a 12th century roof. No, Ancient it's not that. Welsh hilltop church. I know. That's it. That's I'd our love... constituency. That's our main I'd demographic. Love... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's dissect a classic dissect a classic this month we're going to dissect a new classic we're going more modern so just to remind listeners when we say classics we kind of we pick out the most popular songs that church is singing some of which have been around for a number of years increasingly in our popcorn culture uh, they're from the last few years but we kind of try and find out what which ones are really resonating and what can we learn from them and this month we're going to do this i believe brackets the creed by hillsong worship by ben fielding and Matt Crocker. Um, do you have a little burst? Yeah. Do you want me to sing a little bit? I've got Please my guitar do. somewhere. Hang on. Yeah. Let's go something like this. I'm playing this bit because it's. I'll explain why I'm doing it. <laughs> Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty, through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, I messed that up, Jesus our Saviour, I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son. 
Nice, nice. Thank you. Just a little reminder, I think um, lots of people listening will know it, but just in case you don't, that's how it goes. Um, I had a little little dig around on it, as I like to do. Some helpful stuff on the Hillsong website, actually, telling you about yep. the, the song and the story behind it. Um, this is the really the great bit about it. Maybe we've mentioned this before, but back in 2014, John Dixon, who's the director of the Centre for Public Christianity, sent a tweet to Hillsong. It said, Dear at Hillsong, could your brilliant songwriters please put the Apostles' Creed to inspiring music, do world Christianity a massive favour? Hillsong got that and said, I sent back a message saying, yeah, OK, we'll have a go. <laughs> and so this this is what happened. And so Ben Fielding and Matt Crocker set out to do it. And they say that it took them a very long time to write. It was quite a, a heavy and invested process, as you can imagine. Um, there's uh, John Dixon's kind of since explained he says i just thought a song that was really reminiscent of the apostles creed that covered its main points would be a beautiful way of calling modern churches to reflect on the foundation of the faith that unifies us sound thinking uh john dixon so thank you john dixon for that and what we have yeah. is this song which now is one of the most popular worship song contemporary worship songs in the world um sung all over the place it gets sung very regularly in my church um and i've sung it uh, in the general synod with the Church of England, mm. it gets you know you name it. It's um, it gets sung in lots of places. But we're going to do our usual. We're going to dig in, dive in, um, try and pick out what we think makes it work, and um, also then um, cheekily suggest our what we <laughs> we would do with it. Do you want to kick off, Sam? Yeah. Um, so I guess so broadly, I would say that um, people probably listening to this have recognised that I am someone who likes to bring together the kind of traditional and the contemporary. And one of the things that I think is hardest to do in a contemporary service is to make use of a creed mm. uh, because I think other elements of traditional worship can fit quite well into a contemporary service. But I think just reading a creed, I think for many people, feels quite alien. It feels quite odd. Uh, and they don't necessarily get the historical context. They don't necessarily get the value of it. And so I think having a sung creed uh, for me is a really strong way to introduce something that is otherwise quite difficult to introduce. Um, mm. I did this just the other week in church. I said to our to our vicar, you know, could could we sing the creed rather than just say it? And he said, oh, yeah, of course, that'd be great. And then that's that's how we did it. So I think that's a really good thing. Um, I think that when you do that, it's there is a there's a big challenge in there. Um I'm aware of quite a few other kind of versions. There's the classic Kendrick, we believe in God. Uh, I found a Stuart Townend. He's got a very folky version. Uh, we used to do one by Jamie Harville and Nancy Gordon. Uh, it's got this called Call and Response. We believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Father. Um, Sounds I'm, I'm like a Hargreaves song, that. <laughs> yeah, I was probably quite in influenced by that. Um, but, I well, I guess this is in the in the in the con so maybe i should hold it back but i think there is a challenge in the midst of that about how you adapt it because the the the, the tension is that the creed is obviously not written in such a way that it fits easily into a song format yeah so when you take a creed especially the apostles creed and then you try and make it into a song you're gonna have to do some um some adapting some paraphrasing some making it into a kind of verse format and I think in a large degree, they've done a, a good job here. You can certainly see quite a lot of the Apostles' Creed in this song. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll talk in a bit about the some of the drawbacks of that as well. Yeah, I was thinking uh, other ones I've come across. Timothy Dudley-Smith did a really good uh, hymn-metrical paraphrase oh, of the Apostles' Creed, which I think he did for Common Worship, mm -hmm. um, which is the, the, sort of the newer um, Church of England liturgy. Um, and also Chris Juby has done a version of, uh, mm, I say yeah. version, version is almost pushing it because of this paraphrasing thing, but a take yeah. on the Nicene Creed, which was yeah. on Songs for Sundays. Um, let me pull out a thing, few things that I think work. I mean, the first is, is sort of the obvious thing, which was kind of said already, that um, taking uh, somebody, people with with strong pop songwriting skills and sensibility, yeah. which is what the kind of the Hillsong 
group are and bringing an ancient text to it and uh, and saying you know bring these things together is a is in itself an excellent songwriting thing yeah. um, and a really good thing to do. And and in a similar way to when we take a psalm and set it, and, and you know, the Apostles' Creed is is that level mm. of um, of writing, isn't it? And so I think just the very concept is brilliant and therefore I, I absolutely thoroughly commend it. Um, the other thing I'd pick out is um, a songwriting device. There's just this hook in the chorus, which yeah. says, yeah. I believe in dee 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 dee. I believe in DDD. Mm. I believe in um, for several reasons. One is the repetition of it is strong, yeah. but also it's it's hooking itself. Rest. It's got a rhythmic hook to it, which is really satisfying to sing. And when you've had it sort of quite drawn out, and and then you you hit that finding a rhythmic hook like that, and then repeating it is, is good good songwriting skills. Um, yeah. And then the third thing I would just say is that one, one thing um, Hillsong writers do especially well is this idea of sort of creating a harmonic atmosphere. And mm. I know we've talked about this before with Reuben Morgan when when he talks about how he wrote uh, Mighty to Save, got mm. to the, sort of got, wrote the chorus and then just started to play an atmosphere and wrote... And there's a similar thing in this. So I played at the beginning, just that that move from chord two, uh, chord four to five, and then one four. Just moving between mm. those, it has a lovely. It creates an atmosphere in itself, um, mm. and that's that is a skill in songwriting. Is mm. actually choosing your harmonic atmosphere and then writing into it, and and they do it well, and they do it well well in this song. And in that song, it's, it's that sort of restless one for the verse, isn't it? That doesn't mm. really land anywhere. But then the chorus, you land on that big fat chord boom. one, I believe, boom. Yes. So there's a really good sort of contrast there between the sort of restless verses and then that chorus that just is sort of really comes to home. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so do you want to... Uh, I feel like there's other stuff we could pick out, but it, it's such a kind of... It's such a tricky thing. I think teasing out some of the difficulties of it, I think are worth doing as well, aren't they? So do you have anything else you want to draw out a bit more? Well, there is that thing about a creed that it's supposed to be a summary of what we believe. And, you know, this is stuff that is not, it's not the Bible, but it was when people were arguing over the Bible and people were straying from what was the Bible. Then sort of people got together and said, well, it's not quite like that. You have to see, you know, Jesus is this, not that. Um, And because, and because of that, you know, um, denominations will say, well, you, we have to use the authorised creed. You have to use, you can't just make up your own creed. Hmm. Um, and I think because of that, and especially if you replace the saying, of, if you, you know, normally say the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed or whatever, and then you replace it with a sung creed, actually people can start to ask questions about, well, you know, these aren't the authorised words. These are someone's, yeah, you know, someone's yeah, yeah. riff on the words. Yeah. So there's a few examples of of where I think something uh, things are a bit, you know, maybe um, dodgy. One one thing I, I noticed a friend put on his blog that actually it takes out the specific historic references. So it takes out the name Mary, takes out the name Pontius Pilate. Mm. So it starts to become a slightly ahistorical thing. Um, it, the way that it talks about Jesus is quite outside of the original. Our judge and our defender, forgiveness is in you. It's kind of applying. Yep. words to jesus that aren't in the creed and you might question well why those words are not other words um and the last one is just the first verse i mean it starts almost like the like the lord's prayer our father yeah and then it says everlasting the all creating one god almighty through your holy spirit conceiving christ the son so you've got this <laughs> sense that the father is everlasting and creating and the son is then conceived now when you actually look at the Apostles' Creed, it doesn't use that word everlasting, but it does have that kind of trajectory of, I believe in God the Father, Creator, I believe in Christ the Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> it's not a million miles away from the Apostles' Creed, but certainly if you know the Nicene Creed, the Nicene Creed is very, very robust in saying, hold on, Jesus is also there from with God yeah, from the yeah. beginning. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Creator too. So it does start to make you think, that's sort of our God, uh, God our Father everlasting, who conceives Jesus. Yeah. There's a danger there that the, the sort of Trinitarian theology is getting a bit oh, mucked up. Good. It's good, Sam. You, you, I, I agree so much. And I want to say this in, 
in a sense, in the most generous spirit, because I think what I think they've done a brilliant yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah. do. We sing it all the time. I yeah. can't think of another song I know at the moment that fits after every sermon <laughs> as a potential response. I mean, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, it um, is. But it does. The the creeds, every word was chosen mm. with such precision and debated yeah. because they th- we can leave no room for doubt in this mm. about what we believe mm. for exactly the reasons you described, that yeah. they are combating heresies. They're trying yeah. to draw things together. Um, and absolutely, even more so in the Nicene Creed. But um, yeah, every word is so carefully chosen. So I was thinking, for example, it's, I mean, it's tiny, but the chorus, I believe in God, our Father, I believe in Christ, the Son, just the difference between God, our Father, and God, the Father, mm, is mm. Um, is actually massive yeah. because it it's yeah. kind of somehow separating. Uh, but it's tiny, and it's it's not that he's not our Father, but it's just a great example of how. Whoa, it, it's really difficult. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really difficult to do. And I, like I say, I I genuinely mean this in a generous sense. I think it's a I think it's a brilliant song. And there is, I mean, whether they ran it by theologians, I. I don't know. But if you're taking on something as big as a, a creed, wouldn't you include a theologian in the writing process? Yeah, you'd have thought so. And I, I think they, from what I understand, I'm pretty okay. sure they did. Okay. Because I think Hillsong have been pretty hot on this now for a number of years to say, look, right. we've got to get our theology department in on this songwriting thing. And, yeah. Um, but And I think probably a theologian would go through it. And... Yeah, there's the odd ambiguity, isn't there? Is there is that, like there's an ambiguity of there's a lyrical ambiguity of I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. Yeah, and it's just not clear whether it means I believe in the resurrection and I believe that we will rise again, or mm. I'm saying that's what the resurrection. You know, there's there's a kind of yeah. Um, but it's, a, it's it's partly because it's ever so tricky to do. Yeah, and it's you know, Mike. As I say, we we've been we joined a new church recently where they often say that the creed and my kids came home saying, What's the Catholic Church? So we talked about Catholic Church. Yeah. So are we a Catholic Church? Well no, we're we're Church of England. So why do we say that in the Creed? Oh yeah. You know, and then they said, "So, what's the communion of saints?" And I obviously, honestly went, uh, th- "Oh, that's, th- I had exactly the same thing a couple of weeks ago." <laughs> what? What? Uh, I think. Uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll get an email now. We'll get an email from yeah. someone saying, "Goodness, I did me, Google it afterwards." You don't know the historic creeds and what they mean. <laughs> I think I know. I think it's a, sort of a, an eternal, uh, 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 a an extra temporal. <laughs> oh, what, Joel? Extra, uh, 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 uh. Is it an extra temporal communion of all yeah. the saints ever? It's all the saints ever. Yeah. yeah, and obviously, depending on you know on denomination and, and theology, you'll read different things into that. But yeah. it seems that most of the mainstream denominations still do agree with that. But there are nuances there, and it's not clear. And the word commun- you know, the word Catholic, the word communion has changed. And we've been, you know, rightly nervous to change that. But then if you write in a song, yeah, maybe maybe you'll, you know... So it, none of this is easy. And I think one of the things, you know, what they're trying to do with this song is they're trying to make it all personal. They're trying yeah. to make it all relatable to the average person. Because that fits person. the genre as well. And Absolutely. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, but, it, you know, there's always going to be a tension with doing that. And then... Yeah. The final thing I'd have said, don't think it needs the bridge. Yeah, I like the sense of I, I totally understand in that genre that that moment of release. But mm. then you get into it, and it's kind of got a slightly mixed address in terms of who it sings to, and it suddenly stretches the vocal range of it because it's got quite a nice. Tight, the main bulk of the song is really comfortably written within a nice tight vocal range. But then, yeah, although you you were playing it in G, right? Yeah, I think the original's in like C. So the original recording is stratospheric. They get up early in the morning in Australia. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> if we hadn't have said that, someone would have emailed about how high it is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We've got that bit in. <laughs> Great. So to talk a little bit more about the brand new live album, Let Praise Resound, we've got Andy Clark, who's going to join us. Andy, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Sam. Yeah, good. Nice to have you on. First time you've been on the podcast. I know. Have we yeah. had an Andy song? Like, have we had him on from Twelve Song Challenge? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think of the first, the first lots of Twelve Song Challenge back in the olden days, <laughs> back when I actually did it each month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> we've yeah. definitely had you as um, featured song at least once. Yes. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But yeah. just tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, uh, what you do, your background, all that. <laughs> Good questions. Um, so I'm Andy. I live in Chester in the northwest of England. Um, and I work for my church part time. I oversee worship and the media. And then I also work as a professional musician playing piano at people's weddings. And um, I play twice a week in a restaurant. Brilliant. You know, plinky plonky. While people eat their steak, it's not actually um, plinky plonky, is it? Hopefully. I don't know. You've not you've not heard me, so. <laughs> do you try um, and sneak Radiohead covers into the like nice when you're doing, you know? You, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> Starts off as Gershwin and becomes like. Yeah, I mean, after every time I play "Wonderful World" by Louis Armstrong, it always yeah. goes into a chorus of no surprises. Awesome. Um, so yeah. Oh no, I'm, <laughs> I'm nice. on a podcast with Radiohead geeks now. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Joel. I've yes. quite a few. Have quite a few mentions the last few months actually. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, it's all about getting Radiohead into it. Um, sure. And when did you start writing worship songs? Oh man, I started writing worship songs semi recently. Actually, I, yeah. I've always written songs. Um, when I was a teenager, it was my <laughs> my outlet, you know, because yeah. we're all filled with so much angst, aren't we, when we're, <laughs> when we're younger? So, you know, it was all writing songs about girls and girlfriends and people who I wanted to be my girlfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, and I had I had a band and we we did gigs and stuff, and that used to be the funnel for my songwriting. But um, yeah, about I think maybe about six years ago was the first time I wrote my first worship song okay um I'd, I'd been challenged to do it by mm. quite a few people for a while but i'd always thought that worship songs are really boring <laughs> um, <laughs> i'll uh, i won't kind of make any comment as to whether my mind's been changed on that <laughs> but it's you know the, the focus of songwriting for me was always how interesting can this melody be how interesting can these chords be um but actually but as you know you know for, for worship songwriting it's got to be is it accessible? Can yeah, a group yeah. of people sing it? Is it full yeah. of truth? Um, so it's, it's much harder, but yeah, I've, I'm just about getting the hang of it now. So. Nice one. And yeah. you just did your own little EP as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, my worship team here in Chester, we, uh, we, I'm part of a church called Northgate, Northgate Church, who are a partner church of Resound. Yeah. Everyone hey. get on board the partner church scheme. Um, we recorded a little EP of songs that I'd written um, and then... Um, one of the Resound founding fathers, Matt Osgood, did some uh, uh, mixing and mastering for us, which was great. And so, yeah, we released that last year. Um, nice yeah, it's good. Fun. Good, good. Good stuff. Well, you've been really involved in this album. You've sang on it. You've played piano on it. You've, uh, yeah, been part of the, of the journey. So it's nice to have you. Uh, in fact, the most prominent image on most of the videos that have come out so far is your face and you yeah, the piano, yeah that's true sure. yeah <laughs> so uh, that's why so you can have that for free especially, especially photogenic when he's playing or especially <laughs> expressive or something like that i don't know yeah um so okay well i'm gonna ask you guys a little bit about the sort of how how we've uh, put this album together um yeah so joel where did where did it come from the, the idea to do this this live album it, from chris juby really um, and yeah, a little bit actually him. from Mark Thomas, who's one of our trustees, who's for several mm. years has been just going, you just need to do a full on big sound mainstream worship album. Mm. And I'd always go, nah, no, it's not really interesting. I want to do this weird niche project, songs about wood <laughs> or songs about, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then eventually Chris said, Juby said to me, the thing is, I love to. Juby came on board a few years ago, and he's really proud of Rosanna. Because as someone who's come and discovered and become part of what we do, he's just thought, "I'm really into the values. I'm totally behind this whole thing." And people say, "Oh, Rosanna worship. What should I listen to?" And he would always say, uh, "I don't know." Um, <laughs> Cause songs for Sundays is a bit sort of nichey, and Christmas songs are a bit Christmassy. And some of the, uh, he said, we could really do with a, just a collection of our best songs showcased in a fairly normal, accessible yeah. way. So that's kind of where it came from. We just thought, yeah, let's do it, and let's do them live because it's the, from my experience, certainly, I think I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather have that access to the experience of singing worship songs than just mm. just the kind of the studio version. They're always a bit dry, aren't they? Yeah. What did you think, Andy, when you first yeah. heard about it? Did you think that's a stupid idea, or did you, were you like, "Yes, live <laughs> album"? Yeah, I, I was really up for it because actually talking about the EP that we've just done with my church, we did that mm. with a kind of studio feel. Yeah. Um, and although it was pretty well received, 
the few comments that came quite recently from recently followed it from our yeah. members of our church were, uh, yeah, but it's uh, next time do you want to do a live one? I think yeah. there's something that's special that that captures that atmosphere. It's like, yeah. okay, um, I was just fed up the fact that they'd said next time. I, I was ready just to retire. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. <clears> for a while. They said next time. I think, yeah. I think so. Next time, why don't you do ten tracks rather than six? Um, <laughs> so, but but yeah, it, it was it was uh, it was great opportunity doing it. I mean, and the songs are there to be to be used for worship. They're not particularly designed. To, I mean, they're great to listen to in the car, but yeah. they're even more useful on a Sunday morning with a congregation full of people. So mm. it seemed to be a great fit. Yeah. So Joel, how did you end up choosing? Because we've obviously got quite a a large catalogue of resound songs now from the last 12 years how did you get mm. it down to 11 yeah i'm really bad at kind of having the courage to just do it and and pick because i often you know i think i might get it wrong and so on so what i did was i canvassed all the resound writers i said give me everyone's kind of give me your top 10 or something like that and i got i got them all back and i had you between you had referenced 60 songs from our catalogue <laughs> there's about 130 songs in the catalogue so wow. that was a you know it was a start we cut it in half so i had something to work with <laughs> and then i got the ccli lists to see what are the church is singing because that's pretty helpful and so i kind of cross-referenced those things and then there were sort of probably five or six which are just absolute must-haves it was kind of obvious they need to go on there um they're really strong um and then with some of the others, then I had maybe about another 10 or 15. I'm just kind of balancing then thinking, OK, well, let's I want to have a bit of a range of themes, styles. We're pretty close to having a really representative cross section of the writers. So maybe tweaking one or two of those like that. Um, and also just thinking which, you know, as an album, what's really going to showcase our some of our uniqueness as well, mm. as well as just being a kind of a really accessible bunch of songs. So it's kind of that and then having my kind of vague lists and bouncing them off one or two people a few more times until eventually it kind of settled down. And I think I probably didn't have the final list until the day I arrived um, to do the pre-production, actually. Mm. Um, I had like 10 out of 12 and I had one or two in reserve and, and I thought, well, we'll just try them and see what comes out. But as it was, we yeah, yeah we did the exact list. Okay. And then what you talked a little bit about pre-production. Can you tell us what that is? And I personally, I've, I kind of have a hunch that maybe for people listening that this is maybe the bit that you don't always think about too much yeah. um but i think this is might be quite key for people if they're maybe thinking about doing some sort of similar project yeah and you've been involved in this before sam so maybe i'll say a word mm. or two and you can tell us about your experience of it um so in this case, it's if we, I guess you could do it yourself, but we've got a producer. So we've got Matt Weeks, who's kind of he's a, he's connected with Resound, but um, he he's a producer in his own right. And uh, he said, "Well, let's get Mark Edwards in as well, who's a guy who's produced lots of stuff. He's an amazing mm. piano player, program synth, and so on." Um, let's the three of us get in a room and go through the songs. And the brilliant strength of that is you you go to a, some fresh ears and you say okay these mm. are the songs how do you think they're going to sound best so they bring a whole load of new ideas to them and at the same time i had asked each of you what give me some reference tracks of other recordings and i often said you know don't it doesn't have to be worship songs just any recordings which have a kind of a sound and a vibe of the kind of thing you imagine this song being um, and then we take all of that and then literally what we did in this case is we sat there, listened to about a minute of the track, just kind of get the feel for it, um, and then listened to a minute or so of, of the, each of the references and then Matt or Mark would just start playing with some ideas. And I, I sort of, I, I'd been so heavily involved in the writing of the songs, I didn't feel like I had to be the guy dictating how they went. So I, I sat mm. back as much as I could and said, come on guys, you just, um, you, know, you throw the ideas at me. Was that similar to how you did it with your EP, Andy? Um, REP was very much a one-man show is not quite the right word. <laughs> I had like I, an ultimate creative control, yeah. which in one way is a blessing because I didn't need to run it past anybody. <laughs> but another way, it was um, it was it was a long old process, and I would have loved actually seeing the different influences that have come from from Matt and from Mark mm. in this Resound project. I would I think having that. Yeah, there's kind of those fresh ears, the people who weren't involved with writing the songs, actually coming along and saying, Oh, do you know if you've had this synth line in or if you've yeah. had this harmonica bit, then yeah, I, I can see, I can really see the value in that. So if I did that, I, if we did that next time, <laughs> when we do the next one, um, I would really <laughs> consider that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a skill as well, isn't it? Can I tell you the, the couple of songs that were really transformed in the process for me as well? Yeah. They were um, your song, Sam, Christ is Raised. Christ was mm. raised? Is right. I always get confused. 
Because he goes was and then is. is that <laughs> the right? first line is yeah, was. was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Christ was raised. Because we'd recorded this together a few years ago, hadn't we? And I, yeah. And it was it was kind of great, and it was out there, people singing. But it just to me, it always felt a bit ploddy. Yeah. Like it, I thought this is a great song with a great melody, great words, but somehow it doesn't lift. Um, yeah. And so we had a bit of a bash around at trying. Um, to come up with some ideas for arrangements and so on, different references. I know you referenced an elbow track at one point. Mm. And then I, I don't know how, I just hit on this Tom Petty thing um, mm. of this kind of particular vibe, quite kind of chunky accented chords. And went yeah. in, and so we listened to it and I played it. And instantly, Weeksy picked up his guitar and just went, yeah, so what about something like, dum, 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 And suddenly, <laughs> yeah. The, it had a vibe that it never yeah. had before, really robust, in your face, um, and we could build a whole song around that. was Judy's High in the Heavens. Yeah. And that was the oldest song, I think, on there. Well, that's a mm. good 10 years old. Thing. One of the first songs we did with sound. And in the wrong hands, it could have sounded quite old-fashioned and twee. Yeah. Um, we mixed up... A f- we played with the harmony a little bit, moved around the chords just in one or two places, just to kind of... That's a real strength mm. that Matt Weeks has, actually. I really appreciate that. Just going to him and saying, what chords should I do? Um, mm. He's good on that. Uh, but then adding a kind of contemporary... And a kind of mm. suddenly, I, I think that's almost turned out to be the strongest song on the album, and it just wouldn't well, have been like that without pre-production. Well, it plays mm. with six and four as well, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a, there's a feeling of four against the six, which is quite sort of popular nowadays with um, sort of reckless love and stuff like yeah. that. It's, it's yeah, that, that kind of feel. really come out well is that um jesus you've called us okay follow yeah yeah and you've got all that atmospheric stuff going on there those sort of i don't know what they are synthy or atmospheres or background stuff that's happening in the background and then we talked about this in the last podcast the drums just kind of coming out all over the top (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it it takes a song that could be slightly weedy um and just gives it a bigness you know keep keeps the sort of fragility but it has this yeah it's, i think that's come out really well from all that, from that yeah process. i can let you in on a secret a lot of um i don't know is it all right well like mark's go-to that he kept going back to omnisphere so if you want to get an, an app with some brilliant oh, sounds on kept heading back to okay. omnisphere um drew loads of stuff from it which is really good and also interesting that was his favorite uh, you know really? he had it said hmm. oh, i really like this one which i think yeah. just meant, meant he was he was like, oh, let me pour. I've got another idea I want to pour in it. I've yeah, got another yeah. thing. He's doing all this stuff. Jesus, you have called us. 
So, you know, we haven't got lots of money and Mark is a, uh, an in-demand professional guy. So we <laughs> we kind of had three days with him. But during those three days, we had to record and capture the different parts that he was going to contribute. And then they mm. became the guide track, which also had a bit of um, uh, is like a bit of guide vocals and things on it for the for the group to learn. But essentially, there's a kind of a click track and there's these parts ready to go to sit behind what we do. That was kind of what we finished with. Yeah. And my experience with doing this stuff is that, like, those sort of production guides that that set a rock solid tempo, um, that's the right tempo, set the right structure for verse and chorus and stuff. They are so helpful when you come to pour everything else on. If you, you know, people might have tried this at home trying to record something and they start off with a acoustic guitar part that actually isn't bang on time, mm. and then you're constantly trying to, you know, this is maybe this is my my confessional but um you're constantly trying to fix everything else to work against that kind mm. of slightly out of time so having something that's either a rock solid drum machine or a piano that's been quantized yeah and that just gives you something exactly on time and exactly the right arrangement means that everything else going on top is just going to be f- far easier yeah i was so i'm interested from this point on the reflections from you two because i kind of then stood back after that yeah. i love it. one of my tricks on the day of a big event is to organize it so i'm not doing very much and i can just float around looking important and stuff and so skill. you two were much more inv- you basically played every in every song you're much more involved then in the process of right here's the backing tracks here's the band yeah. how are we going to play them yeah what was your experience Andy? <laughs> oh man um my experience was well first of all it was great because i got to play that amazing Steinway <laughs> D uh, Grand Piano, which was, yeah, I mean that that makes everything better. Yeah, um, it was just it was a long few days, wasn't it? We um, yeah. we pretty much did full on, yeah, from like two o'clock Thursday to about ten p.m. and then all day Friday and then all day mm. Saturday. It was pretty intense, and by the end of it, you know, we we knew the songs inside out, didn't we, Sam? Yeah, um, yeah. at least we, we tried to. <laughs> <laughs> That's we tried what to. Up to four. We tried um, to make it look like we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. So th- it took a long time to get the rehearsals right, but then, um, yeah, it was great. It was, I really enjoyed kind of making things come alive and also being being creative with with what I was doing on the piano and like you had to do on the guitar there. So I'm thinking, well, where's the where are the pockets of space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the rest of the guys aren't playing in, um, and you know, not just kind of bashing my way through the chords of one of them. And um, I think we spoke about this last week, Joel, but on. Uh, let praise resound which is just is four chords all the way through mm-hmm. but it took me i don't know at least a day to work out what to play on the piano because yeah. it's so guitar driven mm, yeah. and i was everything i played just made just like took all the life out of it so um yeah i don't think i've ever worked harder on four chords but you ended up with, <laughs> a, with a really nice kind of slightly offbeat rhythmical yeah, motif yeah. that you just repeated and, yeah and, yeah really good yeah, yeah. And, I, I, and and as well, I think I don't play for about two thirds of it as well. Uh, well yeah. That was so your I trick. Think, I noticed that, that when we were on tour. Trick. I kept looking over. <laughs> yeah. When's Andy going to join in again? <laughs> just just taking some time. I, just, I would uh, encourage yeah. people to to take a listen to how that that song's ended up because yeah. it's it's this really poppy, breezy, kind of quite Coldplay influenced kind mm. of feel. And if you yeah. listen to it, you might think, oh, well, that's easy to reproduce. Uh, and I think people, we, we played it acoustically at an event um, the other week and it went down really, really well, a really simple mm. kind of band. But if you listen to the way that that's produced, every part finds its place, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. that's right. You know, yeah. There's nothing there that's kind of trampling on each other. And I think you were saying that about piano. I felt exactly the same way with electric guitar, that I had to really find the space. Yeah. So like in the verses, I'm just playing like one note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, and then it's a little kind of high up guitar strummy bit in the choruses. And then there's that sort of little earworm for the for the hook. Oh, yeah. dude, come on. Can we just 
can we just showcase that earworm for the hook for a moment? It <laughs> was genius. It was brilliant. Uh, you just turned up, didn't you? No, actually, let me get this right. You turned up on the Thursday and you played us this little hook and we said, no, that just sounds exactly like Coldplay. Exactly <laughs> like- so having worked, worked on it for weeks. I had worked so hard. I think I only had about a week to, to, to think about it. But I'd, that was the one that I... Because Matt said, oh, Sam, let's go and listen to... Um, what's it's it called? Adventure, Adventure of a Lifetime. Lifetime, yeah. Yeah, and so that has this da 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 da. Yeah, so that's really hard. It's really high up. Yeah, it's hard to get it accurate. And so I thought, well, if I turn it around slightly, and so I had basically a sort of version. And Matt just immediately went, "Oh, it's too much like Coldplay," <laughs> and I was like, "Ah!" Oh. And I, I, I sort of despaired for ten seconds, and then I just said, "Well, give give me give me a rhythm." And he went something like, ba ba, getting get, and I went, okay. And then I sort of brought, basically brought a version of what I'd done with his yep. rhythm. Nice. And that was it. But yeah, it's it, that song is, I think, so well put together, and it shows because people's response to it on the day was was huge, mm. um, and I think it does really stand up. But it it's an it's a great example of, as exactly as Andy said, trying to find well, where does my instrument fit within this whole canvas? Because if I just play my big, mm. you know, open chords that I would normally play, I'm gonna I'm gonna completely crush this. Yeah. I I also feel like there's a bit of a freedom in the live worship thing where compared to the studio, you've got to be so mm-hmm. careful about where you put everything. So I'm mm-hmm. this is slightly counterbalanced to that, just in the yeah. sense that in the live worship, because of our experience in church of, you know, we, we arrange it carefully, but at the end we all just end <laughs> yeah, up joining yeah. in and smashing it out. <laughs> and that's part of the whole experience that actually we yeah. quite enjoy of the song. There's a slightly more freedom to layer things up and let it and let loose a bit in the live environment that you can't do in, in the studio one. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was lucky with the, with the guitar because mostly mm. Marcus was playing the kind of set lead lines. Yeah. So I basically could just, well, he's got that riff. Right, well, what else can I do? And that was often either just long sort of held strums or I f- quite often found myself like stratospherically high yeah. kind of capo 37 and yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just you actually did. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's on the video. It's on the video. Just trying to find like the, the gap between, you know, you've got an acoustic guitar playing already. You've got Marcus playing this very clear, obvious line. Well, what can I do that will sort of fit in with that? But I've, with the, with the video, of, I think sorry, go on, fun. Sam. With the video, did you find yourself having to, um, with that whole element, Sam, did you find yourself having to really think about how things looked as well, like when you were playing? Like, or did that come into it at all? No, because if he had done, all the videos would be of him, but they're not. They're all of you. I mean, it's like... <laughs> there are moments on the video, I'm like, they're basically filming me There's just standing there. There's a great shot there. of you just standing there and bobbing your head. But it was this whole other element, really though, wasn't it, where we had to think, oh man, I can't just look down at my yeah. hands all the time or... It's yeah, it's just a, a weird kind of extra thing which you don't usually yeah, yeah. think about. I mean, with our worship team here in Chester, I do say to the guys, you know, don't have your head in your music book the whole time because that's not really en- engaging the rest of the congregation. Yeah. So I was trying to get that in there as well. Yeah, but it's a yeah, this extra element. People come around you with cameras and yeah. I, I was thinking a, a word about yeah. um, Phil came in to play drums. Phil Martin. So Phil's not from the group, but he's yeah. a good uh, old friend of Matt's it's and really a good. very good. I mean, superb drummer. And again, I just love the stuff that he brought to it. The uh, uh, little highlights, just the, the yeah. drum fill on the way in to let praise resound. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, it grabs you every time. Um, and he worked, for example, uh, High in the Heavens, mentioned already, worked really hard on that. He was trying out mm. idea after idea after idea, just trying to find the way of getting exactly that thing you said, of that kind of four against three, but without losing the three, which you can do sometimes by overemphasizing the four against it. You end up in two. And it, mm. it it messes up, you know, you don't know where you're at unless you're actually playing the song. So he worked really hard at it. And he was a, yeah, such a lovely guy to work with, really creative. I, I wondered as well, because like I said, I stayed off the stage quite a lot from that point, And Matt was MDing, just in terms of Matt's kind of style of how he steered mm. the musical arrangements. He's... The thing about Matt is he's... 
a really encouraging guy. So he's not one of those people that's like constantly telling you off. He's constantly encouraging. Uh, he's he's quite gentle. He'll sort of say, "Yeah, sure about that." You know, he won't kind of hammer it on you. Um, but yeah, he just he just made it. You know, a few few kind of oh yeah, that's good. Or oh, have you thought about doing it this? You know, he he's he's not he's not too um, he's not too demanding. I think you know if there were important things, he would you know jump on them quickly and and yeah. make sure we were. We he were is. On he's track, got an ear for the whole sound as well. Um, like when yeah. he he can just hear a harmony that I thought I just just one note just in a little run. He'd say, oh, instead of singing that E, can you sing an F sharp instead and It'd just be okay. How how yeah? How can you you know visualize this whole thing? He's yeah, really really talented guy, and mm. as Sam said, just so encouraging. Um, yeah. The bit that I learned for myself yeah. was I was I had lots of bits of paper, and I was scribbling things down and trying to scribble down the the settings for my guitar pedals and the capo and all that. But I got to the end of the day <laughs> and it was a mess, and I thought, oh my goodness. And then that evening, everyone went back to your house, Joel, and they yeah. were you know having snacks and stuff and chilling out. And I just thought, I have not got this clearly. So I sat there with my laptop. I realised it's much easier to see your laptop at a distance yeah. uh, than just, a piece yeah. of paper. So I sat there with my laptop and I just did a little thing for every song, what I was doing, what settings. And I wish I'd done that through the day because then I wouldn't have had to do it in the kind of chill out yeah, time. Yeah, of course. But just if people are doing similar things or playing in... You know, other sort of settings where it's quite important yeah. that you you know what you're doing. I think taking notes on a laptop or an iPad yeah. or something, and just making as many notes as you can when you do the rehearsal, so that you know. Because the thing is, when you get to the actual recording, you know, you might go quite quickly from one song to the next, and you're thinking, "Oh gosh, how does yeah, this yeah. start? And yeah, what definitely. was my setting? And what capo? Yeah. And you know, they're clicking in as you're panicking." So. Um, the more notes you got, the better, definitely. We've talked quite a lot about the music and the arrangements and the recording and all that stuff, but we didn't want to make it a fake experience and we wanted the congregation to have, you know, the, the best time they could worshipping God. So, John and Andy, how did you feel about that? And were there things that we did to, to kind of make that make that work? Well, I, I suppose I'd start by saying I was incredibly encouraged by how uh, meaningful an experience it was for everyone on the day. Uh, you mm. know, I was perhaps a bit worried. Not done this before. No. I was a bit worried about them just arriving and being a disengaged audience. <laughs> sure. Mm. Um, and so part of the way we built the day was to try and avoid that. So, for example, we sent out, about a week before, we sent out the guide tracks for stuff. That was really interesting, actually. A bunch of people said to me at the end of the day, I absolutely loved that. But you know, when I heard those guide tracks, I thought, these songs are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. so, th so that was good. But then we structured the day... Um, just to kind of set it out for people, we, in the morning we went through song by song and we would teach the song, we practiced little bits of it and then we would do a take. And a couple mm. of reasons for that. One was to get an audio take. Another one was that we wanted to do a load of close-up stuff with the filming but then on what you see on the videos, we didn't want to see cameramen crawling all over the stage. So we said, mm. OK, in the mornings we'll crawl all over the stage in the afternoon we'll do more of the wide shots. And the, and the... So if there's any little continuity errors, <laughs> that might be partly <laughs> yeah. why. Yeah, that's um, uh, So that's how we did it. And, um, and that was really good, I think, because it was quite exhausting um, as a day to go through 12 songs like that. But it meant that when we came to actually do the, the actual what we hoped were the proper takes and so on, mm. even though we had these backup ones. Um, people felt like they knew the songs well. And I think felt invested more than just we've been taught them, but we're kind of invested in the process. We're invested in the thing yeah. that we're going to create. Yeah. So when it comes to it, um, we're <clears throat> part of this. And then in the afternoon, we split it up to three sections, about 40 minutes each, um, where we tried as far as possible, sort of run them as slightly fluid worship things. So, so we grouped the songs in, in kind of themes that made sense together. Mm. We had some readings, one or two engage um, items that we did that Sarah led us in. Mm. Um, we had a little talk in there. We had some times of prayer, praying for one another. And we, we mixed these in so that we wanted it to be a meaningful worship experience for yeah. people. It was really difficult to do that with 12 songs in a row. And also we just thought, well, there's so much room for technical problems. So let's, let's hit them in blocks of four. I was really pleased, actually. That, that felt um, really manageable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was good. And there were parts in there that were not sort of rehearsed or scripted, so we did a couple of extra little songs or yeah. song times that were either improvised or it was a song that we just threw at them. Yeah. And that felt good as well because I think if they'd have 
known every single moment of what was going to happen in the afternoon that might have started to feel a little bit less kind of fluid but actually because we kind of went right now we're going to teach you this simple round let's sing this together yeah suddenly there was something new and fresh to kind of you know and we and we said you know and this isn't going to be on the album so you don't have to worry at all you can just you know sing however you like Mm. yes Uh, anything you put picked out from that andy well i'm just going to comment on the fact that and with the and it was in the daytime Mm. and you could see people's faces and that yeah. was so good and so, and so engaging to kind of, when you look back on the videos and you see people really engaging with the songs rather than it being completely, you know, dark, the band are fully lit. And it's just, you yeah. know, these, you just see these random hands in the in the congregation. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was lovely to see people really, really engaging. And as, and as Joel said, the, the teaching it to people beforehand was, yeah, it was great. It really did feel like, um, like yeah, like a church service, didn't it, actually, when we, with all those other bits yeah. in as well, yeah. Yeah, all right. But uh, thanks for joining us. It's yeah, it's been a pleasure. I've been a long time listening to the to the podcast, so it's great. <laughs> Finally made it on. What episode is this? Fifty seven. Fifty seven. Fifty seven. Great. Yeah. Come on, made it. We'll see you on episode one hundred and fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about old times. <laughs> oh, bless you, right, mate. Cheers, guys. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care. All the best. Bye. 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 Well, that's about all we've got time for this month. Next month, we're going to announce another uh, exciting thing we've been involved in and talk to you about that, but you can wait a month for it. Um, Remember, the 12 Song Challenge will be coming back in January. Watch out for more details about the newly revamped and improved 12 Song Challenge. And uh, I think we're just left with the featured song. Yeah. Which this month is going to be uh, it's the title track from the new album by Marcus Pagnum from life's beginning brackets let praise resound see you later see ya bye your